0: So remember, we will be screaming in your ear. (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining the Escape with Me book club. Escape with me, Lizzie Sawyer. And me, Sam Reiner. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we evade reality, go into detail about a new book. We're going to be covering it from beginning to end. So remember, there will be spoilers.
1: Today, we will be returning to Minnesota, United States. Published in 1968, The Cat Who Turned On and Off is the final book in the original trilogy. After this, no more books were published until almost 20 years later, when Lillian Jackson Bronze returned to the series in 1986. Which, can we talk about how much I love that? 1968, 1986. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's a
0: huge gap.
1: Oh, yeah. Quillerin once again finds himself out of his depths in a field he knows nothing about. But as he finds his footing, murder is once again around the corner and three deaths now haunt him even more than the ghost of the hundred year old house he's staying in. So just a quick refresh. This series is a Sam pick. I love this book series. It's wonderful. And the age level is adult, even though the only content warning we really have is death of a spouse. So if that's something that would affect you right now,
0: come back later. And it's so sad, too. If death of a spouse gets you, this definitely will. It just don't. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One of the best things about Miss Braun is she can personalize characters, and that's a double-edged sword sometimes. But to judge a book by its cover, I don't know, like, electricity? That was the only thing I could think of, because... The covers usually are just random cat things, cat paws, and then random things that have semi-something to do with the story, and then a huge title. So (laughs) the only thing I could
0: figure out was electricity or something. Maybe that Coco keeps swallowing things? I don't know. My brain went to, the cat probably turns the lights on and off and it causes dilemmas throughout the book. And I was almost correct. (laughs) Yeah, the title
1: is super vague because it's Coco's ability to be a detective. It turns on and off. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It wasn't as obvious as it was in the other two, but this time around, it's antiques. Fun, 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 fun.
0: I love antiquing. I never actually buy anything, but I love going and looking at other people's stuff, especially the old stuff and the weird stuff.
1: I'm not going to lie. Anytime in the book they describe the antiquers we're wearing, I would think of you.
0: Aw, you know my sense of style. <laughs> not all of the outfits, but some of them I was very, I see it. Yep. Yep. That's because it's accurate. I'm weird. (laughs) And my mother hates it. (laughs) She
1: has come for antiquers. She has got them.
0: That was really funny. Honestly, I totally
1: could have seen us having the three weird sister shop. I totally could have seen us doing that.
0: Yes. (laughs) I don't know who our third person would be, but I could totally see us doing that shop. You want to start an antique shop, Sam? No. (laughs) Your husband can be our third. We can make him wear a wig.
1: (laughs) Honestly, he would probably be a good pick for like antique books and stuff. He does have a dream to open a used bookstore one day. I have a dream. (laughs) But yeah, so it's antiques this time around. And I kind of like the setup for this one because I feel like the first one he was thrown into it and the second one he was also thrown into it. But this time around, he picked his beat, but he didn't
0: realize what he was picking. (laughs) Yeah, when he first started talking about it, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to do the slums. Like, we're actually going to do the slums. That's cool. And they were like, yeah, antiques. And I was like, I... I, uh, I, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> That's on par. It couldn't possibly be something
1: in his wheelhouse. Never. And honestly, one of my favorite scenes that I think is really funny because I find a lot of these books really funny, although this one was a little bit more serious than some of the other ones. But the scene where he's talking with his friend Arch in this entire time, Arch is talking about, yeah, my wife is a total junker. She's been a junker forever. In fact, recently, I've gotten really into it. And Quiller still thinks it's drugs. Drugs? And he's like, What do you mean? What do you mean, you're junkies? How long? (laughs) I found that
0: really, really funny. Drugs. (laughs) Miscommunications like that are great. Content warning. Drugs. Oh, should that also be a content warning? Drugs. No one actually uses drugs, so I mean, we're just talking about drugs. Drugs. And that's about it, and only in the beginning of the book. And not even seriously. Drugs are just implied. Yeah. Oh no, there's heroin at the end. Yeah, you don't see anyone on drugs. You'd be like, yeah, this part of town? This is how you get drugs. No one's
1: on it. Or using it. It's just there. And they're like, hey, some people use it, which is another thing. I really think that it ties back around. (laughs) There are drugs. Yeah, that's the funny thing of it turning back around in this entire time. Him thinking, oh my gosh, junkies. So there's junkies in this part of town. And then you find out that it's antique dealers. And then you find out, yes, there are drugs. Ha
0: ha. Yeah, drugs. (laughs) Vindication. (laughs) Don't do drugs, kids. Oh my goodness. Remember, just say no. You remember that part of high school? Just say no. Oh,
1: flashback. No, I remember that part of elementary school. Every single movie. But yeah, so horse brasses, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if they decided that it was some other word because the poor guy that came out and like actually
0: bought horse brasses. Quillaran's like, I need you to buy horse brasses. I'm sorry. Just do it, man. That was kind of funny.
1: And that was so dumb. Of course the person is not going to sell the people he doesn't know. He's trying not to get caught. That was silly. Look, man, look, I heard I heard you sell horse brasses here. I do think it's kind of funny he actually had horse brasses for sale <laughs> Instead of being like, sorry, I don't have any, he's like, actually, he's got to have a cover. <laughs> he's somehow getting horse brasses just to cover. I liked it. One of the things I really like about this book is it actually has a large cast of characters but for the first time I feel like they're all juggled really well none of them feel like they were just thrown in and then forgotten like in the last book with that one rival interior design person or in the first book when they just threw out names for people that would come up maybe once or twice later this time around it felt good it felt like a cohesive neighborhood and it felt like a lot of them were looked into at least for a little bit
0: yes definitely
1: shout out to the cast change of Odd Bunsen for Tiny Spooner. That poor guy. I didn't touch anything. I wasn't, it wasn't me. Look, bro. <laughs> Honestly, a part of me is like, because at the time through it is like, oh, it was Ghost. Wah-ha-ha. They kind of dropped that. And so now a part of me is like, Because he swears. He swears afterwards. Like, he was nowhere near some of the stuff that happened. And a part of me is like,
0: Was it ghosts?
1: What happened there? Why did the mirror fall? Now that I think about it, I wish that was followed up on. But it was a good cliffhanger. It's like, no, man, come on, author. Ghosts. What's with that? Do we come back to this? No? Okay. Once again, for the third book in the row, Jim has a new girlfriend. Although technically in the first book, he
0: didn't have a girlfriend, but kind of had a girlfriend. Yeah. It's like reading through the Miss Fisher's murder. Mysteries. She's got a new boy toy in every book, man. It's the same thing, except it's Quiller and desperately trying to find a woman that'll stay with him. I like Mary. Mary is the first one
1: I actually like. She's cool. She's independent. She's strong. She has this really, really just interest in her field and not just, hey, I like antiques, but she also cares about the issues of the antiquers. She lives in the neighborhood and it's like gentrification is like a problem that could harm the area and the politics of it, but I can't go out and be like, hey, the thing, and so she has to find ways of going around to help, and it's just she's a great person, and she has a German Shepherd, and that's pretty cool.
0: I will say she doesn't have the German Shepherd of her own volition, though. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, like, she still cares
1: about it, because when she went scrounging, she brought the dog with her, so <laughs> she clearly cares for that doggy, but she's also tiny, but can lift things that are, like, 150 pounds, and, like, that's pretty cool. She also named her shop the Blue Dragons, which is cool.
0: That's pretty dope. I liked her but I spent a good portion of the book being suspicious of her so I didn't really get like a good like. I was like you're kind of cool you're suspicious as heck though. <laughs> she is. They all are.
1: That's another thing I just like it like they all feel relevant. This being the third or so time I've read it I got to actually enjoy her because I knew who did it. But that's another reason I really like this series is when you reread it later you can just be stolen by the charm of people and be like you're awesome, I like you, or you're a terrible person, I hate you. Yeah,
0: I didn't get to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Even the really, really
1: small people, like, I hate that she named this character this, but Papa Popopopopolis, the fruit salesman. Yeah. And so kind of investigates him, like, tries to talk to him, it doesn't work out. And then later in the book it's mentions, like, hmm, I wonder if he's the drug, like, it just still comes back. And then Ann Peabody, the 90 year old woman who can't hear for crap. Poor lady. seed was at least funny. She needs to stop. She needs someone watching after her so bad. Oh my gosh. But I feel like I can't tell her that because she wouldn't hear you. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, also, sorry I was looking through names. The German shepherd's name is Hepplewhite, White and that's so cute. Yes. <laughs> These books need more dogs. <laughs> I know the cats are important, but also dogs. They're just a bunch of antique owners so the cobs which he eventually gets a room to wrench from them they're just characters i mean they're more main characters than some of the other ones but i just like how much of a character those two are that leads back to why it's sad when he passes away but on a side note Did she kill for her first husband?
0: No clue. That was never resolved. Are the upstairs neighbors actually gay? No clue. Oh, okay. Those two were absolutely gay. Definitely a couple. They're so
1: a couple. Yeah, that one is not surprising whatsoever. Guaranteed.
0: They never come out and say
1: it, but... Yeah, I don't like Russell. He's a jerk. He is a jerk. That thing he does with poor Coco and his own boyfriend's like, you're a jerk. I know the dating scene in random city, Minnesota probably isn't that great, but you could do better. You seem like a great person. He also always wears white, which is just weird to me. And they have a large cat, question mark? I don't know. I just didn't like him. There was talk about a panther or something, some sort of beast-like cat, potentially. I don't know if it was an actual cat or if I can't remember if it was some sort of a piece of equipment that was just named that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but do we actually learn how he broke his leg? Because we know how Clurther broke hers, because supposedly Mary Duckworth broke her leg. Yeah, because she's a witch. I don't think we get to know about Russell. I'm kind of hoping Andy broke his
0: leg. I don't remember there being anything about Russell. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope it was by accident so no one's at fault, but the other part of me is like, was it Andy? Did he break your leg? Andy was also a character. Mainly because everyone was like, oh, he's so on the up and up, and the more you learn about him, he was like, guys, no. He was not. No, that guy's a jerk. He cheated on his girlfriend because he doesn't want labels, and she clearly does. So that was not great. And then the story he was writing, which apparently was not very good, but he was basically doing an ex expose on all of his neighbors and all the things he learned on them and reporting C.C. Cobb because of a petty fight and not because he was super, oh, that's a terrible thing. Like, he does it. He did that on purpose to C.C. It was just mm, not a great person. But everyone is like, oh, he's so amazing. No. I don't know when we learned this, but for some reason I wrote down that he's an Aquarius. For anyone who
0: cares about that. Oh, we learn it because Mrs. Cobb is like, I read his horoscope right after he died. That's what it was. He was an Aquarius. He was
1: an Aquarius. Wasn't she a Taurus or something? I didn't write down what hers was.
0: I think so. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't have the physical book, so I can't look it up very easily.
1: Andy's last name is Glaze, and I think think that was very funny by the author.
0: You probably thought so too. <laughs>
1: Come on, Glaze. <laughs> That's something I would do where I would just throw that in there and be like, hey, very clever. Feel very good about myself.
0: This is funny.
1: <laughs> Paulus Prance. Okay, so I love his storyline. He doesn't appear super much, but he's a background character that you learn just enough about to piece together what his story is. This dude's a cop and they're like, we need to bust this dope peddling ring coming out of the antique area. So I'm going to start an antique store based around technology and then comes up with this whole spiel about increasing the antiquity so that things that are only 10 years old are antiques now instead of just 20 or something like that. And so he comes up with this whole background and manages to get all of these supplies just enough to be like, hey, guys, I'm a true antique and then spouts his stuff at everybody. So everyone knows and <laughs> this entire time he's just trying to do this dope pedal ring. And he does in the most obvious way possible, like, hey, I need to get radios from CZ. Let me run up the stairs. I think he got a little too into it. So look,
0: man, I need you to chill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he got way too into his undercover personality. It's just a bit. And you especially know it because I mean, granted, the whole reason quillern's able to solve it is because Coco steals stuff from Ben's room. But why didn't Paulus rent an apartment next to Ben? That would have been so smart. You want to do the smart thing? Are you kidding? I know. I mean, obviously, it may or may not have been an antique then, but it would have been antique now. I was really interested when he talked about the crystal radios because that is a really interesting time in radio where it was this crystal on the stand, and you had headphones, and of course they were super uncomfortable because that's how headphones were. But you would take this piece of wire and put it to the crystal, and depending on where you put it, it would be. The The different radio frequencies that it would pick up. I've always thought those were really cool. That's fascinating. So when he talked about those, I got really excited. (laughs) I was really excited about that. I was like, I want one right now. But that was uh, 60 years ago now. So not just laying around, are they?
0: Not anymore, no. You can probably find a video about it, though. Yeah. Not really a, a thing anymore. Sad. Mrs.
1: McGuffey. Her personality
0: wasn't retired school teacher. I don't know what
1: it was. Yes. You could have not even told me. She's a retired school teacher. And just the way she acted screams retired school teacher. (laughs) I just think she's really funny because the entire time she's like, this isn't possibly this neighborhood, but also reads 10 chapters of the entire neighborhood secrets. And she's like, I can't believe some of the things he put in there about cheating on people and killing your husband and homosexuality and (laughs) not homosexuality. Honey, have you like talked to any of your neighbors? (laughs) Any of them. And then we have the three weird sisters. And they're weird. Ivy. Ivy is a hot mess.
0: Ivy is a hot mess.
1: I get it. You're the young one. But she's like in college age and she's acting like a really bratty seven-year-old. She's just so bratty. I hate her. I don't know why they're forcing her to work at the antique store. Yes. I would want her to go find a career outside of my
0: business. Definitely. Leave here, please.
1: Be gone. All of the things that she'll just spout out. Mm, this is awkward. Please tell everyone how your older sister is a nymphomaniac. Just shout that out. And now she thinks Mary Duckworth broke her leg. Those are just casual conversations.
0: Yeah. Kiddo (laughs) gracious.
1: I kind of feel bad for Amberina because she just gets glossed over with two train wrecks of sisters when you're normal. (laughs) Yeah, Claritha's a hot mess. I feel like in one of the other books, what would have happened with this character is they would have been like, oh, she a nymphomaniac and talked about her a bunch instead of actually doing it. And so I'm actually glad that this book was Quillen went to her apartment and it was obvious some of the stuff she was doing to try to seduce him and was like, thank you. I feel like we know all of the things we need to know about her now. It feels like he does a lot more work in this, where I feel like sometimes in the other books, the cat does most of the work. Yes. Don't even get me started on, there's nothing in the basement. <laughs> there's nothing in the basement. Well, you're wrong, go-go. Anyway, but in this one, he does most of the work. He finds out all of these secrets about everybody and figures it out, versus in the first one where he's wrong, and the second one. He has no idea. And in this one, he has a pretty good idea. He figures out, hey, I'm pretty sure it's Ben, who's the drug dealer. And Coco just provides the evidence. It's a great partnership. Yes. Clearly Coco needed to turn off so Quill could figure himself out.
0: Yeah, because otherwise it'd just be the cat solving murder mysteries, which I wouldn't mind continuing to read because cats are the bomb.
1: Yeah, I found out the whole series came from she owned... Siamese cat and she was like you're very interesting I like you and she started writing about them
0: (laughs) you guys could solve murders Hey.
1: (laughs) Hey. i got a good concept. So something interesting about Quill comes up this time around. He has connections to someone in Connecticut who wants money from him. And I'm wondering if that's where his ex-wife is. Because it's mentioned very briefly. There's a letter that he gets. And it upsets him a little bit. And he's like, if I get the prize money, I could buy this for myself. And then send some money to Connecticut. And then have some stuff left over. And I'm like... Who do you know in Connecticut? Slowly building the pieces of his past together. Gonna get one puzzle piece per book. I actually don't know. Just as someone who has read most of the other books, I still don't know a lot about his ex-wife
0: or his past life. I just kind of assumed it was the girl that he had last dated from the previous book. Koki? Yeah.
1: Oh, who did he dump him for? Oh, who was it? I didn't write it down. Oh, I don't remember who it was. But she was like, hey, I'm dumping you for this person. And because I've been keeping up to date on all the people, I'm like, oh, I know who that was. But I don't remember who she dumped him for.
0: Yeah, it's been a hot minute.
1: Also, who writes in brown ink? OK, cool, Cokie. That's your thing, I guess.
0: Jeez, Koki. All right.
1: Still being critical of her. Forever. Oh, sorry. I scrolled down and a connection I didn't even make. Later in the book, they mentioned Miriam is in a Connecticut sanitarium again. I want to know so much more. What is happening? Why is she in a sanitarium uh, again? I thought they divorced just because Quilleran has alcohol issues, but maybe... I don't know. Maybe something drove into it. I don't know. It's like, yo, Quill, what's up with this? Quill, let's talk more about yourself. I have no theories. What's happening here? Don't just drop into conversation. Yeah, she's in a sanitarium again. I need more than that. <laughs> what's going on with this? What happened? What's going on? But no, we get that and then we uh, hurry along because we need to talk about how Bruno's Bruno's barely in this book. And that makes me sad.
0: Yeah, but at least he's in this book.
1: I also like, once again, he has a hobby. He's always got hobbies. (laughs) Every single time he has a hobby that's related to stuff. And this time around, he's like, hey, Bruno, do you collect antiques?" He's like, no. No. (laughs) I collect swizzle sticks, though. Jeez, Bruno, really? (laughs) His whole identity is the bar because all of his hobbies are bar related. The whiskey bottle portraits of the presidents he does, and then the decorations he does with bottles and now swizzle sticks from all the bars he's been to in America or wherever. That's his life. That's what he do. It's his passion. (laughs) His bar. So I loved when they were like, known for his wide variety of hobbies. And I'm like, that are all are related. Yeah, I was sad though that he's like barely in the book. Sylvia Hyde I guess she was kind of. I don't know. It wasn't a waste talking to her though because we got information about people. I don't know. I can't find anyone where I'm like, yeah you were a waste of a character.
0: I don't think there was a waste of a character other than maybe the old lady.
1: <laughs> it made for a humor scene and it kind of played into, oh Andy was so caring. He made sure she could go to meetings. Which meant nothing because she can't Yeah, and I was like, "Um, maybe he should have made sure she had someone looking
0: after her. I think we were on the wrong plan of action here.
1: I think the only thing that could have been played up more but wasn't, I kind of feel like maybe it was a good idea it wasn't played up more, was the ghost in the house, Matilda.
0: Yeah, we needed more ghosts in the house.
1: Iris really set that up and was like, oh, things are missing. And then when Coco and Yum Yum were rearranging stuff in the room, she was like, oh, it's Matilda. And then it got dropped immediately. And then, of course, after Cece died, it's revealed by somebody. I don't remember who, but that Cece would always move her glasses and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something he would do.
0: I thought that the Crest of Arms was fun, that Quillerin ended up buying him from the Blue Dragon. It's a good piece. You can feel the potential foreshadowing there. I realize this is the last in Trilogy until she picks back up, but it feels like foreshadowing for more cats because there's three cats on the crest versus the two that he has. But it also could just be symbolism for the three books that were written. And it amuses me how many antiques he ends up buying and that he just slowly starts to become an antiquer himself, even though he starts the book saying, I hate antiques. And really, like, yeah, well, hmm. also, also, I hope he stays living in that house because that landlady's so nice and has so much personality. But I realized that he will probably have moved in the next book. And it makes me sad.
1: I will say with the crest, I actually looked up. Their crest. It's true. There are three cats on that crest. She did her research on that. I really appreciated that she was like, "Ooh, I need a crest with cats on it. And she went out and found one. That was cool. There's something else you said. And I was gonna... Buying more antiques. Oh, that's what it is. I feel like every single book, that's how it starts. Where he's like, art. I don't know anything about art. And then halfway through the book, he's like, you don't understand, man. Clearly this symbolizes XYZ. And then in the second book, he's like, ugh, interior design? No! And then he walks into the office halfway through the book and is like, ah, this is light on the eyes lime or something. Like, he starts naming colors like interior designers would in every single book. He's like, what?
0: No! Halfway through the book, he's totally sold. What? It's like my dad with some things you know you're like dad thing and he's like what no <laughs> and then he wants recommendations for anime and I'm like you just I this is a really good win dad you should try watching this one <laughs> I feel
1: like that's what makes Quillen really lovable. It could have been really easy to make him the outsider the entire book and almost make a little bit of a parody of it. But when he comes to respect all of the things, it feels like he's really becoming part of the community and he's really likable. Like if he goes into art, he's not making fun of artists the entire book. It's just in the beginning. Yes. And then he ends up defending them and taking up for their causes and stuff. That's pretty cool. Like that's a good
0: life. I know he wants to be a crime reporter, but he's a good reporter and cares about the people that he's writing about, which is a nice dynamic for a reporter character.
1: Yeah. Plus the stuff he was able to do in this book, like the Christmas party and then trying to get scrounging to be sanctioned so it's legal. That was some pretty big things to pull.
0: It was. It was really nice of him.
1: That made a difference to everybody in that neighborhood. Good work has been done. And it was, technically, it's a Christmas book.
0: Technically. So it was like a real feel-good Christmas, it's a real good feel-good thing about it i mean technically die hard is a christmas movie technically anyway
1: <laughs> i will continue never to comment on that <laughs> so i think that's all of the other antiquers so then we have ben ben 10? ben nichols who is a freaking character i think he's the most okay i take that back Mont Clemens is hard to top, but I think he's a pretty high up there for being the best villain. So of the three, I guess that makes him two of three, which isn't very high. But still, I stand by it. He's a pretty good villain. I like him. He's charismatic. Oh, goodness. Charismatic and zany and weird and... Charismatic.
0: Charismatic. It's a term now. (laughs) Get on board.
1: He just spouts off Shakespeare and he's like, when I was on Broadway and everyone was like, he was never on Broadway. And was just... It was good. And he's always buying the love of people. And then he had to go start being a murderer. He was doing fine on his drug ring, apparently. Was stumping Hollis for months on end. But then he had to go and murder people. Now Quillerin's involved. He just villain ruins their own plot. And then the book ends and it's like, well, why would he kill Andy? Because Andy's a twat. That's why. (laughs) You take the paper off the wall and there's just stacks and stacks of money. And then it's just implied. It was like, well, maybe Andy was getting a cut of Ben's business and that's why Ben killed him. And you're like, Andy was the worst person.
0: That is definitely why Bing killed Andy. Why
1: in the world are all these people staking their reputation to talk nice? He was terrible. He was vindictive and high minded and rude and pretentious and a cheater and
0: getting a cut of drug money. It's like people in real life. Everybody's like, oh yeah, he's the tops. He's the best. Is actually the worst person you've ever met.
1: Terrible person. I can't
0: get over that. Andy is a terrible
1: person. And the more times I read this book, the more annoying it gets. Guys, he's the worst person. No, he was so great. So high-minded. He's helping that old lady get the meetings and helping that one guy set up his fruit stand. The best guy. Duxbury. Duxbury. That was an interesting line. Sorry, it's more specifically... I really liked how they set up Jack Jaunty, being like, hey, he pretended to be a valet. And then that kinda comes up later where Mary Dexworthy is like, I don't trust because your one record pretended to be a valet for my father and expose him. And then later on when Jake writes something for the contest that they're having, and Quill is like, Mmm, I don't like that dude. Such a small character, and it was purposeful. Yeah. All of the characters had a
0: purpose, and I just really liked that. They really did, didn't they? they- all belonged in the story for an actual reason.
1: Even Mrs. Mason, who hates cats at the motel, had a purpose, making it really obvious Quill needs to get out of that motel. Also, I hope he paid for that mattress. (laughs) Having a large hole in that is not great.
0: (laughs) There wasn't a hole in the mattress, there's a hole in the box spring, and a box spring is literally just a box with springs in it that gives the bed more bounce. True, but... Let me tell you, ferrets love a good box spring. I felt bad for the poor
1: motel work. He was like, um, Quill, I'm so sorry, but uh, Mrs. Mason is complaining again. Okay,
0: so the old lady down the hall from you is yelling at me over the phone again, so I'm calling you because I told her I would. (laughs) So...
1: Which I just, I don't know. As he jumps from book to book, I'm just very interested in what happens to the people in the other books. Yeah. That he'd be friends and and stuff. They all just always seem to vanish by the next book. Where'd you go? What happened? Where are you now? What happened to the guy who just got rich because they invented low calorie beer? Wasn't it that? (laughs) It was something stupid.
0: I can't remember.
1: No, it was beer with vitamin C in it. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, low-calorie well, beer would actually be pretty cool. No, that's not what it was. It was vitamin C. So what happened to that dude? Is he going to stay over in Denmark for a little bit? Can't you stay in his apartment longer? No? No. No one's paying you for your detective work? Okay. Never. I feel bad about that. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. You never get paid for any of this. And the beginning of the book is always Quillerin is looking for
0: a place to stay. And can't find one. A little bit of spoiler to answer your question earlier. was like, I hope he stays here. Nope. Next book needs a place to stay. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I expected.
1: That is the pattern we are going. And yeah, that's the pattern for a little bit longer. I was honestly surprised that the fourth book wasn't written in the beginning of in like the 1960s because after the fourth book she radically switches the formula up but yeah so the next one we still got the formula which is exciting i like that book too
0: i like all of the books that's not a surprise part of the reason why we're reading them
1: (laughs) okay one of the reasons we should have known ben was a maniac who for their money like that. You're
0: right. How do you store that neatly? Like, I... You can't put it in a wallet. What is going on here? If you put it in a wallet, it would be folded up four ways. You can't really put it in your pocket because it's long and thin and a weird, like... Wah. He literally woke up and chose violence. This is what <laughs> happened? I, what? I mean, he did, though.
1: <laughs> yes, in a true sense, he chose uh, violence several times. I do find it's interesting that both Cece and Andy were killed because they were blackmailing Ben. I feel like Cece should have realized when Andy died suspiciously maybe don't blackmail Ben. I mean not necessarily that he knew that Andy was blackmailing him but I'm just saying something really suspicious happened. You also know of this other suspicious thing going down. Maybe don't engage. Like hey man maybe uh don't. Leave it alone. Ben is kind (laughs) of obvious. He makes no money basically, and he doesn't have any side gigs, and he definitely doesn't come from money. Very great way to be very suspicious.
0: Good job, Ben. Suspicious man is suspicious. Oh my
1: goodness, I can't help it. Andy put his lost manuscript in the cast iron stove,
0: ash pit. I low-key thought it was potentially gonna be a body. They are like, you could fit a body in there, and I was like, it'd be really funny if there was a body in there.
1: This sounds uh, like a smoking gun. No, he opens the ash pit. Which isn't even the stove itself. So potentially there could be a body in there. He missed one. Just saying. But speaking of which pieces of furniture that didn't lead up, Iris's desk, the little apothecary's desk with all the stuff. I thought there were going to be stuff in there. There wasn't. I thought something was up with the stuffed owl that Coco was interested but it wasn't. I guess that was part of the turning on and off. Yeah. It turned off that day. The book made a point of pointing out that Quillerin didn't notice that Coco was like playing with Ben's. Scarf. That never came to anything either, unless it was supposed to be like, oh, the cat is suspicious a bit. Like, I, no, that doesn't feel right. I also like how Quillerin totally could have caught Ben sooner, but he just kept forgetting about the tape measure and to measure his car. Oops. In his defense, I forgot about it, too, so I can't really be that mad. I wasn't like, and do the thing! I, I literally forgot about the car as well. Because so much happens in Junk Town. There's so many things.
0: There is a lot of things.
1: On a really big side note, going back to Claritha and him being there, he gets really freaked out on the thing he drank. And it was like three things, and you knew what two of them was. But then Quillerin does like a huge, what's lovage? I don't understand. And he looks it up in the dictionary, and is like, I don't understand. And the only thing in the dictionary says domestic remedy, and I guess it was like implied, it was like, oh, it's an aphrodisiac or something. They're like, no. Lovage is used to treat digestive health and to help your kidney stones. <laughs> he way overreacted on that one. I also don't understand why the dictionary didn't say a domestic remedy for digestive health and to treat Kidney stones because it had to be mystical and weird. So, for anyone who was worried, Claritha just cared about his kidneys.
0: I mean, she cared about more than his kidneys, but she wasn't drugging him.
1: True. She was not spiking his drink. That's more what I want to get across. But one plot point I didn't kind of understand and kind of gets dropped as soon as Cece dies. I don't really understand why Cece kept making those crank calls to her. Yeah. gets implied, oh, it's because she's suspicious and he thinks said she killed Andy but
0: I thought the drug dealer was the one making crank calls to her.
1: Did he? But she was so relieved when Cece died and she's like it's gonna stop now and I was like is it though? I don't get it and the only thing I could think about it was okay maybe Cece's upset that Mary broke Claritha's foot because he's also cheating on his wife with Claritha, which also not great. Iris deserved better as well. Sigh. She so did. She's so pure. Unless she actually did kill her first husband.
0: You know? That was never satisfied. Depending on how much of a twat he was or an abusive whatever, True. I don't verbally condone killing your husband, but I mean, I don't know if I'd falter for it. Her son, Dennis,
1: from that marriage, seems really cool. So, I don't know. I guess that might have been rumors that got
0: spread around or something. I don't know. Probably just rumor. Probably spread around by the specific weird sister. (laughs) That made everybody think that and was a, a detective. True.
1: Honestly, yeah, it could have been Gritha being like, I bet she killed her first husband. To just morally be like, she's not a good person either. And then Ivy took and ran in with it. So many not great people in this neighborhood. There are some great people in this neighborhood and so many not great people. That's life. <laughs> That's how life do. True. That's why this cast of characters is probably the best. I am curious about Andy's book. Mainly, how do you have that much interesting concept? and write a book that's so terrible. Everyone's like, this isn't good. He starts with the first chapter of a wife poisoning her husband. And then it has all this other sensationalized stuff. How do you mess that up?
0: Very carefully. By being a very poor writer. Just because you have an interesting topic does not make a good writer.
1: True. I'm just, uh, you would have had to suck so bad. The first chapter is poisoning the husband and then probably the second one is about a poor little rich girl hiding out in a poor neighborhood and not wanting to be found out. And then it was just all of the things she mentioned happened in the first 10 chapters.
0: That's a lot of stuff. And I'm just, how did you screw that up? Very easily, especially if he jammed all of that in the first chapters.
1: I'm impressed. Does it ever say what Quilleran did with it? Did he burn it? Or did he just have it now?
0: I think he just has it now. It never specifically says. Oh, well,
1: I guess it doesn't really need to specifically say, but that would have been cool if he burned it or something. Quilleran makes a point of talking about the footprints, but it ends up just being the car that he needs. So I guess that technically gets dropped. But honestly, there was so much information it didn't really matter. Okay, here's a good question. Do you think Ben was trying to kill Quill in the theater? Yes. That was so suspicious. How could he not have been?
0: Yeah, no. He was definitely trying to kill Quill. 100% though. The
1: only thing keeping me back is like at that point, I guess he might have heard from Ivy that he was a detective and that would have been enough. But from their personal interactions I couldn't find enough to be like, oh yeah he suspects. But now that I think about it, yeah, he could have thought he was a detective and he might have heard that there's a detective in the. because there it was a detective in the neighborhood trying to track him down. Yeah. Yeah. I totally think he was trying to kill Quill.
0: Oh, he's definitely trying to kill Quill.
1: Man. Two for three, guy. Two for three. You almost had him. I liked the red herring and The Drunkard's Death. Oh, yeah. That was good. Being like, oh, I know Andy was murdered and then he's found dead. And then Quillarin going to marry him be like the person who told me is dead now. Like that is. Oof. And then for him to be like, oh, never mind that was a mistake. Sorry. Unrelated. Can we talk about how Iris recorded her husband snoring but somehow missed the fact that CC was blackmailing Ben? Yes. <laughs> that seemed a little precarious. Like, Iris, if you had played for, like, two more seconds. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I also kind of like the final culprit review. Okay, first of all, Coco plays the tape and it's like, haha, you've been whatever. And so Ben picks up her fire poker and Quillerin picks up a a chair, but ends up having just the leg of the chair. And then Coco's like, nah. And somehow upends the crest, and it just falls on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just like, nah, man. Nah, we're not playing today.
1: <laughs> and all I can think is how badly it must have been hung for Coco to be able to do that. Just to be like,
0: whoop, nah. It fell, and they kind of rushed past it kind of fast, and I was like, the ghost. And it wasn't.
1: <laughs> oh, that would have been good if people were like, oh, the ghost did it. But Quillerin looked over to Coco. was like, I know. I know you did it. That would have been cute.
0: It's like, yeah. It was the ghost. Yeah, he uses the coat of arms. That's what
1: the word I was looking for earlier. Poor and just keeps his poor knees. He's having such a hard time. He's getting up in age. He can't be losing both his knees. We, they don't actually say how old he is. I always put him in, I don't know, his 50s? I always feel like late 30s, early 40s. That's my vibe. No, he's older than that. I don't know what he is so, Because wasn't it Koki was 30 and he was like 50 and there was a 20 years age gap.
0: I honestly don't know.
1: I don't know. But anyway, even if he was 25, you can't be loose in your knees. That'll just come back to bite you. I feel like that's the one thing everyone talks about. It's like, oh, yeah, I had this injury when I was like 12 on my knees. And now that I'm like 40, they hurt all the time. Like your knees are so important. I feel like that's always how the injuries happen. I mean, I have a bad knee and that was from like middle school. But I mean, then again, I knew at the time that it was like well, I just crapped up my knee forever. But...
0: (laughs) Well, this is going to suck for the rest of my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So says someone with a bum knee, I know, knees are important. They're how you get around. You don't realize how important your knees are until one day your knee hurts a lot and you can't use it. And you're like... Welp. All you can really do with it is put it in a little wrap and ice it and you're like, well, I hope this stops hurting at some point. It's not like an arm that you can rest super easily. Your knees are important, guys. PSA. Be nice to your knees. Don't jump out of trees when you're like 12 or when you're 50, you're going to hate yourself. Is that how you f***ed <gasps> up your knee? No. I messed up my knee pretty badly. Super short story, but it landed really badly on like concrete floor, smooth concrete floor. And... And it ended up bruising it so badly that they found it in the x-ray. And they were like, yeah, your knee's messed up. And I'm like, well, crap. And so now every so often, if I'm not careful, my knee will just act up. And I'm like, "Mm, there went my knee.
0: That sounds awful. Your knee giving
1: out is a really weird feeling. (laughs) Because you'll just be walking along and it'll be like, oh, well, it didn't lock. I'm going down. (laughs) And then your other leg catches you and like, well, that was weird. (laughs) But yeah, no, your knees are important, guys. So he loses both of his knees. But he ends up having a quiet moment with... Mary, Yay! And then the ending about Andy and the money. I'm just like, cool! Way to end the cute moment with Andy still sucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Andy still sucks. (laughs) I hate him so much.
1: See, just like I said, I can enjoy the characters that I know didn't do it. All the people I know that did do it, I can hate them more. Ben, I didn't like. Andy, I don't like. Russell, the more I read, the more I don't like him. Even his boyfriend was like, you're doing it again. I'm like, he's just a continuous, terrible person. Cool. Hollis, I think got way too into his cover. He's funny to me now. And Quillerin just continues to be mysterious as as usual. But overall, this is my favorite of the three that we've read so far. What about
0: you? One, two, or three? Yeah, this is probably my favorite of the three. I
1: think she just got really good at it. Just the large cast of characters that she is able to make them all interesting in their own way. Yeah, third time's the charm. Yeah. Even some Agatha Christie books I feel like, oh, you're just throwing in a lot of characters. We don't need, this is just all very confusing where for this one it felt manageable like there was enough but not too many and then they had enough screen time to be like okay you've actually made an impression on me like going through there were none of the names where I was like I don't know who the crap you are except for Amberina a little bit but I put her next to Claritha and Ivy so I still know who she is other than her yeah and yeah it's good one question for the author so it's not necessarily about the book itself I'm really curious about why the gap and I can ask that because a Lillian Jackson Braun is a surprisingly private person. Very little is known about her private life. So much so that people in magazines were publishing her age wrong and she didn't correct anyone till like 2005 in an interview and she's like, hey, this is my actual birth year. And so for 40 years, people were just printing the wrong thing about it. If people can't even get her age right, what else are they getting wrong, you know? Jeez. So she was just insanely private and I just want to i'm curious about the gap and why she was like you know what let's do this again and i'm wondering if there were some private personal stuff on her end and more so then i'm like obviously the publishers have to work out for it to be possible but i'm curious about what she did yeah. for 20 years <laughs> before taking it back up again
0: not right or did
1: she there's so much did she and that's why it was easier to pick back i don't know i've got questions that will not be answered because sadly she passed away in 2008 Happens.
0: That's like how we'll never know where Agatha Christie went when she disappeared.
1: Correct. All the great mystery writers
0: disappear. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) At least for a little bit. Or stop writing for 20 years.
1: Hey, that's disappeared. She just didn't have this nice spa vacation that everyone claims Agatha went on.
0: Sure, that's what it was. Totally. I want to know how much antiquing she did. Clearly a good amount. Slash how much research she had to do for all of the random antique items that were in this
1: book. Yeah. So she clearly shows some mastery in art, interior designs, and antiquing. And I mean, granted, those aren't super different, where I'm like oh those are vastly different like there's some overlap with all three of those so it is possible that she just was really into all three of those things rating so I would give this one light bulb changing colors to music out of 10 it's very cool
0: light bulb changing colors to music
1: yeah I have light bulbs that change color to music and it's very fun I know you do it's just fun it's a good time it's
0: memorable I like it it's a party party hardy 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 I would give it finding something weird and kind of fun at an antique mall out of 10. Why did the sequin eggs from the last book pop into my head? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's weird and fun. you are been at an antique mall and been like, what is that? Yes. What is that? That is so weird looking. <laughs> it's a fun time.
1: <laughs> Memorable. Makes the trip worth it. Would you read it again?
0: Yes. Also yes.
1: It's a good series. They're short and it's a fun time. Like there's a lot of humor in it. So it's just a light snack to go along with everything else. It's nice. I just called the book a snack, but it's all good.
0: You did just call a book a snack.
1: That counts. Plenty of people want to marry fictional characters. We can do that.
0: Call a book a snack? Yeah.
1: Don't eat paper, but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: but but it tastes so good though
1: oh my gosh I did go through a paper eating phase as a child fun fact about me but I think we covered everything which is like everything
0: thanks for exploring the cat who turned on and off with
1: us you can keep up to date with us by checking us out on Twitter, Instagram or TikTok and you can help support our podcast by checking us out on Patreon where for just $1 a month you can get access to our bonus episodes where we look at the movie adaptations for some of your favorite books this month we're exploring the childhood classic that is over over 100 years old, The Wizard of
0: Oz. Join us next time. when We'll be digging through Dial A for Anties by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Lizzie Sawyer.
1: And we hope to see you and a friend here next time.